information provided on this podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. All information, content, and materials available on this podcast are for entertainment purposes only. The views and opinions expressed are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Cultiva Law. Now, without further ado, here are your exquisite esquires, Mio Asami and Fabiola Jimenez. What up, squad? <laughs> Welcome back. It's your lovely, lovely girls um, with another amazing episode today. It's going to be amazing, huh, Mio? Yeah. We're in for a Chip. treat, man. I mean, every time we get to talk to any of our attorneys, it's a fucking treat. So, <laughs> Yes, and we're going to be introducing one of our powerhouse litigators out of our California office. Um, and she's absolutely amazing. Yeah, I'm just, I'm super excited about this damn episode. This is going to be fantastic. I'm sure we'll have a lot of stories to, to listen to. So, <laughs> yes. and then we're so also, anyway. Yeah, and we're also in the, the middle of um, MJ BizCon prep too, which is really cool and kind of yeah, crazy. Yeah. But everyone is like chomping at the bit. Everyone's super excited. I know people that are going to be in Vegas. I guess for other reasons, but I'm just going to say for MJ BizCon <laughs> since like Monday, you know, they're just like, we're ready yeah. to go. We're ready to prep and, and do what it do. what it do. So it's going to be a really, we, really. We got a bunch of our team going too. Yes. Yes. Including our powerhouse litigator today. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's going to be great. Like I'm very excited. It's going to be, a, um, it's going to be a good team all around. Um, and yeah, so it's just been it's just been crazy to be honest with you the past few weeks with everything that's been happening. But um, Neil, what is our weekly word for today? So our weekly word today, I decided to go a little bit legal legalese uh, today. The very common because, litigated word. Yeah, yeah. So um, our weekly word today is bum bum demur. Oh goodness. <laughs> <laughs> um, so demur basically means, so like if you look up demur in the dictionary or whatever the fuck you want to look it up into, um, it says that it's, it means that it's an objection to an opponent's point saying that it's their opponent, your opponent's point is irrelevant or invalid, but you're granting their factual basis of the point. So basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything you said like factually is true, but you're wrong. <laughs> Oh my God. Is, is the gist of a demur. And you know what? I actually might get a correction from Karen, but who, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> um, but that's the gist that I got. I'm not the litigator. So, Jess. Um, Jess. So that's our weekly word today. And obviously I chose that because it's a word that comes up commonly in litigation um, when you're fighting people in court. Um, so yeah. And that's our weekly word. I think we're ready to get started and, Without further ado, introduce Karen, Karen Albans. Um, so just to kind of jump into that, Karen, in summary, she's a badass attorney in our California office. Um, she assists, client, assists clients with civil and commercial litigation. So basically court-related stuff um, when shit hits the fan and you're like, you know what, I'm going to sue you. That's where Karen comes in. Um, but she also does work with the transactional team, like myself, um, on preventative matters so that clients can avoid being on the receiving side of litigation. Mm -hmm. So litigation can get costly and you want to you want to be like, yo, I really don't want to do it. I'm trying to avoid it. Karen's your girl. <laughs> Ooh, Karen, welcome. Welcome. Welcome, Thank Karen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, Mia, I just want to tell you that your definition of demur Sounds correct. Oh yeah, um, yes, but yes. I was really sweating it over here. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. I, it's really it's, it's interesting, but that full like description of it, uh, 
I think it was a little bit more legally descriptive than most uh, attorneys would use to describe it. <laughs> basically, when you demur to a complaint, you're basically stating that you don't have any facts to support your cause of action. Oh, so okay. it's, it's an, that's, that's the issue that comes up. And, um, most of the time it has to do with someone who doesn't plead their, um, their factual statements correctly. So okay, it has nice. to do with, you know, just some sort of missing element to that particular cause of action and whether it be some like a breach of contract and et cetera. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. You're wrong. That's basically what it says. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which yes. Litigators love saying no. Yeah. <laughs> No, no. Uh, let me tell you this. I do know that both of you have much more knowledge in other areas of law than um, than than any litigator will have. You know, I've had to contact Mio many, many times asking her very specific questions relating to compliance. And then I, I told her that she had to dummy it down for me again, a second and third time. You know, because you, you while you may know one area of law very well, it's it's not very easy to know all areas. Oh, about absolutely! In it's that almost impossible. To area. Yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. that's true. That's true. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, okay. so awesome. yeah. So welcome, Karen. That being said, we'd love to kind of get an intro into you and your legal career. Um, do you want to kind of tell us about where you started and why you decided to get into law in the first place and all that good stuff? Sure. I uh, actually started in San Diego. And stayed in Southern California, but I practiced the majority of my career about over a decade in personal injury plaintiff side only. Um, so I've had a lot of experience with actual clients and within the courtroom and procedure and litigation. And so I did sort of the transition over to cannabis and over to commercial and business litigation. Um, what's interesting is that I think you need to have a good set of communication skills with clients mm -hmm. in any field that you practice. And I believe, you know, as a personal PI injury attorney, I've had so much experience with, um, with, with clients and mm -hmm. having continuous communication with them. I worked very closely with some clients for many, many years. I've had cases that were as long as six years. Oh, um, wow. The cases wow. that went to, yeah, to state court, to court of appeals, Supreme court, and then sent back to state court. So, yeah, so I've just kind of seen a lot of random scenarios dealing with procedure. But um, what it does teach you, though, is to be patient and mm -hmm. that that you need to have a good relationship with your clients and that if you have a good communication, you know, with each other, then you can go down this road together and have a successful outcome. So I learned a lot from that area of uh, personal injury on the plaintiff side. So and it's helped me a great deal on the commercial litigation side. Great, great. And why did you, I mean, why, so that way back in, you know, whenever, whenever you decided to, Hey, I want to be a lawyer, like what brought you to that, to this legal career? Um, I, you know, it has more to do with fighting for the underdog. Yeah. Um, I think no, there's awesome. so many, yeah, there's so many people who just feel that they have the ability to take advantage of others, mm -hmm. either for economic reasons or lack of education, but it's simply not right. And so I mm -hmm. do believe there needs to be more people who get involved whether it's legal in the legal industry or other industries who step up and help champion for the interests and rights of those who cannot be heard themselves. So yeah, that's why yeah. that's great. And that's, I mean, that's personally, that's pretty much what I got into law for too. So it's, I think that's, I think that's a common theme in a lot of our attorneys at Cultiva where it's, we really like helping the underdog and 
<clears throat> that's part of the reason why we represent a lot of kind of, you know, startups. And I mean, our clients kind of span both startups and MSOs and kind of bigger, um, at bigger scale. But, you know, I think, I think it's safe to say that a great majority of them are in the startup phase or just kind of starting out. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. And also, you know, generally speaking, like right now, I, I want to say the majority of my cases appear to be relating to um, partnership dispute, mm-hmm. investor dispute. And generally speaking, it's our clients are the ones who've been taken advantage of. So yeah. whether yeah. they're the social equity applicant or they're the um, smaller percentage owner in the company, they, mm-hmm. however, are the ones who are being taken advantage of. So that's when you have to step in and, and do the fight for them. And quite frankly, I think that's what keeps you going, especially when you're already working 12, 13 hours and you still have to put in more time. I yeah. think that's what keeps you going in the fight is, is, is the realization that that is what's needed in order to have your client's interest um, understood and so mm-hmm. that they get the true justice at the, at the end of a litigation case. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a, like the, like a, um, how do you say, like a reward or defending somebody that doesn't have the voice necessarily without us. So yeah. True. True. All right. Cool. Cool. Um, so, I mean, you mentioned a little bit that, you know, you started out in personal injury and you have kind of extensive experience doing that. What made you decide to join cannabis and hemp? Well, I do like the fact that it's an industry that's newer. And to me, I was, I want to say it was brand new because Mm -hmm. it's in fact, uh, not that long ago that it's been, um, pretty much approved beyond, you know, just regular recreational use or medical, I'm sorry, beyond me- medical use mm-hmm. in California. I know it's starting to spread across the United States, but in fact, it's, it's, it's a really brand new industry entirely. Mm-hmm. And in some states, it's not even an industry yet. And so it's very exciting to be part of the beginning. Mm-hmm. of a new area of law and a new area of business that hasn't been tapped into, oversaturated, but also gives you an opportunity to shape how this industry will be run in the future. So a great way to, to be able to get, to be able to do that would be to be involved in it at the very beginning, which is what, you know, basically Cultiva Law is, is able to do with the involvement with um, community, involvement with compliance, um, and then with the litigation, obviously, which is more structured at the end. But that's really a great way to be involved in, in all the processes in, relating to cannabis. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Um, and then, I mean, as so, you know, you've been a cannabis attorney for a while now. Um, and would you say that you've been on the receiving end of any type of bias or any type of kind of stigma that's related to being a cannabis attorney? Um. No, I, you know, it's a little bit different, you know, Southern California has a different mindset, I believe, or California mm-hmm. in general. So it's pretty much, it's been, um, it's an accepted industry. I, however, again, I've been mostly practicing in the larger cities where that's where our cases are. So when sure. you're, when you have cases, mostly, let's say in Los Angeles, a couple in Orange County and some Riverside, and maybe even in Northern California, it's still in the larger cities such as San Jose. Mm-hmm. Um, there may be that situation in the smaller courts and the smaller counties. I have not come across that yet. And, and of course, you know, I'm sure that may exist in other states in which it's uh, an industry that hasn't been um, 
not widely recognized yet. So I want to say no, but that's also because I'm, again, I'm, I'm practicing our cases are mostly in the larger cities in, uh, in California. So, but that's not to say that's not going to come up, um, in general, because I do believe if there's any sort of dissent, it usually comes from the individual themselves, which yeah. means you can, some, you can get that from like, let's say a friend of yours who you're talking to. Mm-hmm, and they, mm-hmm. they may not agree with whatever, but you know, I'm coming to realize that that has nothing to do with cannabis. That has to do with everybody's personalities that a lot of people may or may not like something because that's just how they're, they want to feel in general. So. Sure. Sure. Okay. Well, what about, so, you know, you are a woman of color. Um, yes. have you, have you been on any, do you have any like, horror stories or any, at least kind of stigma or bias around that? I mean, I, um, I mean, cause <laughs> I know this isn't about being me, but most recently I had a, I emailed opposing counsel for one of, um, the deals that I'm doing with for my client. And this guy referred to me as Mr. Asami. And I was like, yo, yo, let me just tell you, <laughs> my name's a real common Japanese name. And if you knew that, I mean, obviously they're not going to know that, but <laughs> if you knew that, it'd be pretty easy to know that I'm a female, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I can, uh, I can relate to that. I didn't realize that my first name now meant that I was a racist middle-aged. Oh, right. <laughs> so, oh that's right. Oh my gosh. I, didn't make that connection. I, I actually think I'm getting sort of the opposite uh, uh, reaction from people because I think they're thrown off because they're like, you're Asian and you're not a racist middle-aged white woman. And so I think they're more thrown off. You're not manager all the time. You're right. Exactly. So I think they're probably so thrown off by that alone that um, they forget any other biases they may have had. (laughs) Um, It kind of just throws them off to some degree. So, uh, you know, I didn't have a, I have not had a situation like that other than I will have to say that when I've had situations happen in court, with Ooh. a male older lawyers who mm-hmm. happen to be Caucasian, mm-hmm. um, who will sort of treat me like I'm a little kid in court. Oh. I had awesome. one actually pat me on the head <gasps> like I was their pet. Oh, I would have beat no. his ass. Yeah. I would have beat his ass. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to say it was related to race as much as it was just. Uh, it was just derogatory and condescending sure. as yeah. if like I was like a little girl type of behavior. Oh, um, but anyway, or, and, or somebody's pet, like, uh, like I was their Labrador or something. Cause that's sort of <laughs> yeah. how they were treating me. But you know what I found out? Sometimes you use that to your advantage because if somebody mm-hmm. believe is under the thought process that, um, they're better than you at the beginning without knowing you, then you can use that to your advantage because they tend to not work as hard. They tend to overlook, they tend to make mistakes because they're mm-hmm. underestimating you. That's the time to come in even stronger. So, yeah, I mean, I was telling Mio this like, when I was at, when I was at Wee Baby a few years ago, um, I, I had the same, I had the same situation happen to me uh, or very similar where I was working up north. Um, I was doing a, a, an internship at, at the prosecutor's office and don't hold me against that. Everyone I, I've used my power <laughs> for good. Trust me. Believe me. I have, I've learned a lot and I'm, I'm very <laughs> crafty. Um, but, I, but I did my time at the prosecutor's office and I went in total newbie. I was, I was clear. I was terrified. I didn't let it show, but I was definitely sweating through my shirts at the time. Um, and I walked into arraignment and I'm holding all these files in my hand and, um, a, a defense counsel 
asked him, he's like, oh, yes. So where's the, so you're new. Where's, where's the prosecutor? I was uh, like, oh. And there was nobody else there. In, and like, I sat in, uh, on the, in the prosecutor side. I, I sat on the table. Like, I have nobody with me. I'm carrying all these files. Like, it's just me. I sat down and, and he had the audacity to go ahead and, and ask me that. And I was like, counselor, I'm here. Go sit down so we can start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then he proceeded after after the after the hearings to like in this weird way like hit on me, but also like Ew. like yeah it, yeah definitely not my type. His bow tie was very too small for his head, but um, <laughs> yeah he like he proceeded to ask where was I from, and I was like Washington. He's like no, where are you from from? Oh, no. oh my gosh, yeah, bitch! I'm not gonna Amnia. I'm not gonna give you that satisfaction. Yeah, I'm from Washington. Um, I was like, I'm from Eastern Washington. If that, if that is a better response for you, he's like, yeah, you just, you just don't, um, you just don't look like you're from around here. <laughs> I was That's like, nice to me. Um, yeah, I was like, you're about four eleven, Caucasian. <laughs> Y'all also don't look like you're from around here. You look like bear bait to me. You tiny little fuck. Yeah, it yeah. was unbelievable. Like it was unbelievable having to be this. You know, you're you're walking in there and and you want to believe that there isn't sexism, that there isn't racism, and you know, experience it for, firsthand, especially as a young law student, was was really devastating, honestly. I can, yeah, I can, I can see that. You know, it's funny because I I don't really remember having a situation like happen like that at, with within the law setting, but I have yeah. had people ask me generally, like in other you know social settings, like where are you from? I just respond, America. I just don't know, oh, like, nice. where are you going with this? I mean, broadly, yeah. I mean, it's just like North America, if you yeah. know, but, uh, yeah. but I, you. yeah, but, um, you know, it's funny is one time. And the other thing to you is sometimes, sometimes at least in my, I had a girl once in a bar, she's like, where are you from? And I went through this whole life, like long story. And at the, and at the end, she's like, I just meant where are you living in town? <laughs> And I actually went through like 20 minutes of my entire life. And after that, I remember thinking, I should just not answer whether whether they really want to know or don't want to know. Just say America. Just be done with it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, classic. Yeah, yeah, classic. It happens. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, I mean, I, I speaking of drama, right? So, I mean, we all have had some of our horror stories. Mio and I can we commiserate over some of the situations we get put into and, and try to, you know, dig our, or dig our way out. Um, but obviously litigation is a little bit more explosive. Um, having litigators that we work with on a daily basis, we definitely see that there's just a lot happening. Things can go from very quiet and, and possible settlement to really robust and hilarious conversations. So I, I personally want to know, cause I like the drama. I just want to know, like, what are your horror stories? Like, what are some, you know, talk to me about something or some big wins. Like, give me, give me some of those really memorable moments that you've had in your career as a litigator that you want to share. Um, gosh, ah, oh, that's like, that's a good one. 
I want to say the the most interesting of all clients I've ever had is definitely with Cultiva. <laughs> um, <laughs> I you know I don't know, but I just you I for some weird reason I I use the word thug on a daily on a daily basis, and I've never had a, so many screaming matches. <laughs> but um, yeah, with not not with our clients, of course, uh, with you know either opposing counsel or, or the mm-hmm. or the potential defendant to be or the actual defendant themselves right now. So um, yeah, so I mean. That's, uh, it's been very interesting in that scenario. And I'm coming to realize there's a lot of repeat people in this yep. industry who are engaging in fraud on a continuous basis. Um, I don't want to say the people's name right now, but there seems to be two in LA who just are the same two people who keep popping up everywhere. I mean, <laughs> I just don't know how too, they, right? Like, yeah. And how do they have so much time to engage in fraud? I mean, they are literally all over the place. <laughs> What's really, yeah. And it's just, I was just thinking, wow. I mean, um, and now I don't, I don't know where they are currently, but I'm sure they're going to, I'm sure they're going to pop up on one of my, one of my other cases within about a month because they (laughs) seem to be engaging in the same industry, um, Mm -hmm. playing the same role over and over again. And so, yeah. So, I mean, I find that to be really interesting part of, of litigation is, is those sort of surprises. And that's kind of what you still want in practice is, is surprises. Even if it's good, bad, or indifferent, you just like surprises because otherwise it gets a little bit too mundane and it gets kind of boring. And I'm assuming a lot of people don't want to hear a podcast about that, about, <laughs> about me reading a contract, you know, for hours and hours. And then, ooh, look, there's a mistake in here. <laughs> so let me go for that. So, uh, definitely when, when you have more of the it, like person to person, um, communication and, and usually court kind of gives you that avenue. I think things become a lot more exciting because you have a lot more of, uh, different types of, you know, interactions with each other versus, you know, via by email or, you know, here's a copy of this document. So, but I, I, I'm very much looking forward to, to many more stories. I'm sure when we're done with our, um, our event or conference in Las Vegas, Bobby, we will have, I will have a lot more stories for both you and Mio. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, 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 you will. Yes, you definitely will. It's funny yeah. that you say that about having these like common bad characters because like Washington's the same way. There's like there's a couple of folks, actually one in particular, um, that has come up in about four cases of ours and like <laughs> multiple other cases. Mia's laughing because she knows exactly who this is. Um, and then you know, and then multiple other like potential transaction situations that is just like. I, it's it's so sad to see, but I'm also like, almost impressed that the level of, of fraud knows no bounds with some people. Like some people have absolutely no shame. Like if I got caught doing some fraudulent activity, it got blasted everywhere. Everybody knew my name and, and I did something like atrocious, you know, like, I don't know, com- complain and ask for the manager because I didn't get my mayo packet in my sandwich box, you know, <laughs> yeah. and decided to berate everybody. Um, I would be embarrassed, but yet in this industry, there are bad actors that continue to be bad actors no matter what happens to them. So it's, it's very interesting that you brought that up because we have the same issue in, in Washington. And I'm sure we have the same issue in Oregon, to be honest, the same kind of people um, just coming back to haunt us. (laughs) It's so, and it's so weird. Like, how do you keep on 
doing this. You know what I mean? Like right. even even besides like the time that it takes to defraud somebody, fraud it's like, um, but it's like how how has how does this person keep getting away with this? Like it's just it's right. so baffling. You know what it right. is? I I got this feeling that because there's so much cash transactions yeah. Yeah. and large amounts of it, it's kind of strange. I think it does something to certain people mentally like they see the amount of cash coming going in and out mm-hmm. and then they get paid in a ton of cash in this industry again i think yeah. it, it does this weird sort of switch in their head where if they had any moral compass it's gone it's literally yeah. just gone and they're, yeah. just, they're just trying to think of ways to get more and i actually picture some of these people i i don't know where they're playing this money and so i'm assuming that they're like digging holes in their backyard and then shoving these bags of like money in there. Cause I'm, I'm like, what are you doing with all this? Or according to, you know, one of these fraudulent type people, according to, cause I have to track some of them to serve them with the, right, with the right. you know, one's claiming that, you know, a couple of them are claiming they already left a country and started their own clothing line. Now I think that's bullshit. That's complete bullshit because her clothing is terrible looking and I don't know what clothing line she thinks she's going to start in a foreign country, but um, I'm assuming that she knows that maybe I'm tracking her for service. Oh, I for, see. And so she's trying to throw, you know, throw me off, but which it's, it's not working. I mean, every, everybody knows your, 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 your clothing is horrendous looking as it was. What, what are you going to design in a foreign country? It's a third world country too. I don't know who's buying your crap there. And it's so. like a country that, sh- that like you can't even really get into right now. Right. So it's like, clearly you can't even get trying, in there. And I think clearly like you're trying to avoid service. <laughs> yeah. And I think half the people are dying of COVID over there because they don't have proper vaccinations or whatever, oh, or just in general medical care. And you're starting a clothing line yeah. in the middle of COVID over there. I mean, I mean, come on. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, I mean, no, and I, again, your visual, Karen, you're, you're so classy. Um, my visual is very different of what, of like this particular person um, in Washington. I, the way that I picture him with all of his money is that he's like on his bed naked, just like rolling around. Like that's, that's his thing. He's like putting a stank on it. And, uh-huh. then, and then he's just shoving it like in, like it's in his cookie jars. It's like <laughs> it's under his mattress. He's, I mean, Dude, I just, I, I thought of like Walter White and like putting them in like fucking whatever those barrels and like burying them out in the fucking desert or something. Like, <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, Mia, it's so funny that you brought that up because I just started rewatching all the episodes of Breaking oh, yes. Bad, <laughs> and I don't know what what in the world made me start watching that again. <laughs> Other than some of the clients sort of reminded me, I'm like, well, maybe I need to get some uh, tips here. So (laughs) yeah, Uh, yeah. you got to binge watch. You got to, you better call Saul then. You know, it's funny. I never watched that. And so many people told me it is one of the best like spinoffs that they've ever seen. It really is. I love that one. Yeah. Oh, good times. Good (laughs) times. Um, So again, you, you, you've, Worked in a number of different, um, so different industries. You know, you did, you did a personal injury now you're here and you're a very experienced litigator. You know, um, as, as I mentioned, every state has a little bit of their, their own style and how they work. You can definitely tell when someone's from Chicago versus, you know, Oklahoma, et cetera. So what are, what would you say are some of the top qualities of a litigator in California and, and what should people be looking for when they're looking to hire a litigator? Well, I, yeah, so that's a that's a good question as well. I mean, uh, California, I'm not quite sure if the style would be that much different in litigation. I would I would imagine from Oregon and Washington state. 
um, because I think it has more to do with the industry as opposed to maybe the location. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I want to say that if you're in the cannabis industry, again, I think having strong communication skills with your clients, um, you're going to have to, you know, one of the things I do remember when coming into this industry was that I was told that it was it was an advantage that I had so many years of experience in PI because I had to deal so much with clients, witnesses, the jury, that I just got used to so much with communication, talking, and then also kind of structuring how litigation works for your clients because this is their, their first time in the, most of the time, first time in maybe a litigation case. Um, mm-hmm. That's true no matter what industry you're in, is that most of the time people are just people. Um, well, at least on who we're representing are all <laughs> you know, proper people. I'm not talking about the defendants. I think they're, they're a different cut of fabric there. But anyway, and on our side, you know, they, they're, they're scared. They've been taken advantage of and they need guidance and they not only legally, but also procedurally and also some guidance in life, like how to handle problems, what to do now right. with somebody taking advantage of them. So, um, in California, I will have to say it's probably a little bit different in LA than some other cities. And I think it's mm-hmm. just the way it's LA is, is it's very similar to like New York. Um, mm-hmm. you have, you have, lit- you have litigators in New York City. I think they're quite different than they're going to be in upstate New York. I think the same thing may be in California and LA is a little bit, it's faster. And I think people are a little bit more abrupt, but you know, but the game is still the same, no matter where you are and Mm. and and people are still the same. So as long as you stay true to yourself and how you want to litigate, that's actually the, the format, the formula that you still want to follow no matter where you are. So. Oh, that's fantastic. And and good to know, again, that's having clients that are constantly looking to expand, you know, really trying to understand the actual landscape. That's, that's incredibly helpful. So thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, sure. All right. I think that, I mean, that was a great conversation. I, <laughs> I enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah. I definitely enjoyed getting to know you, Karen, a little bit. I know we worked um, obviously remotely, um, but it, yeah, this is really, really fantastic. So thank you so much for, for sharing your history and, and letting our audience get to know you a little bit and, and um, you know, just kind of let them know where they can, where they can find you. You know, if you have any social medias, happy to um, please share that with our audience. Yes, I definitely will. Thank you. Um, yeah, definitely would do so. And I looking forward to meeting you, Fabi in person and Mio. Hopefully we can all get together soon. Um, maybe play golf or craft night. <laughs> you guys have an office craft night. I'm oh my God. Well, I, have to, I have to tell a story. So, so we, so we're making roach clips for our craft night today or, you know, very soon. And, and Karen, Karen slacks me and she's like, what are, wait, you guys are making roach clips. That sounds kind of gross. <laughs> And I was like, wait, why, why do you, what do you mean? So like, I sent her a picture of like the, the types of roach clips that we're making. Oh my God. No, it gets, oh. it gets, no, Mio, it gets worse. I'm like, oh yeah, that looks, that looks real nice. And then I left it alone. I think Aaron caught on that yeah. I might not have known what that was. And then says, hold on a minute, Karen. Yeah. Do you even know what she's talking about? And I said, well, now, yeah, later on, I said, but at first I said to myself, ew, who wears barrettes with bugs on them? <laughs> oh, my God. I oh, died. Oh, my God. <laughs> when I read that, oh I died. Gosh, that was so funny. Yeah. yeah we're going to walk around with cockroaches like, hey, yo, what's up? <laughs> 
We're cultiva. I don't yeah. think that would be aesthetically pleasing. No, I just remember thinking, what's the point of that? <laughs> I mean, is that, is that to deter people away? Because that would be an effective way. But, I mean, it's just, it's just kind of strange to me. But then again, I'm like, but I never, I've never been a part of the craft night. So who knows what goes on? True, true. Our, our craft nights have, are definitely varying in what we consider craft supplies. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah. Still great. yeah, it's still great. It's a lot of fun. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, yeah, are, are yeah. you gonna bring those barrettes? Are you gonna bring those clips with you? <laughs> you know what? I already have enough trouble at TSA. I'm probably gonna keep my drug paraphernalia at home this time. Well, you know what? I was wondering about that because I saw the messages and I couldn't figure out when when it was stated about TSA stopping your buddy. Is that due to that, oh, yeah, yeah. or is it? That what or the business cards are of a metal or, or of a they're, metal. They're, de- <laughs> they're definitely not <laughs> the roach clips because we try not yeah. to bring again. Careful now to see it, TSA. But yes, it's the metal. Our metal business cards are first off, they're incredibly heavy. They're like fifty pounds. I'm not joking. Um, in your little box, they're incredibly heavy, but they kick off the 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 sensors right because they're metal. So then you. I've at least always had to like obviously open up my bag. I mean, that, there was that one time I had like a leftover steak knife. You know, we'll tell the audience about that another day. Um, but the, yes, you will get pinged at TSA for your cards, and you will have to kind of go through that process. So it's better just to get them out of your bag and just have them ready and, and for your carry on or. or um, for you. Yeah, because in the in the X-ray when they're in the X-ray, they just look like a block of metal, and they just get yeah. so confused. They're like, why do you just have a block of metal? <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. So they think it's a weapon. But let me. I just yeah. want to tell you a quick story. Um, sometimes when you go through the courthouse, they have some pretty heavy duty X-ray machines. Mm-hmm. And apparently, over the weekend, I went to a party, and somebody must have thrown something into my purse, which happened to be just a, a wine bottle opener. <laughs> As I went oh. through security at the courthouse, it went off all these alarms. <laughs> and then, oh, no. then I was standing there and other attorneys were like, what's going on? You know, she, she's just walking through to get to her hearing. And the security was like, sir, move away from her. She has a weapon in her purse. <gasps> Everybody's standing there staring, looking in. And he pulls out a fucking wine bottle opener, a wine bottle opener in front of everybody. So not only does that set off the alarm. They made it sound like I had a weapon. Now it looks like I got a drinking problem <laughs> on top of that. So great. I'm going to go ahead and murder everybody. But first, let me just open up a wine bottle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now, yeah. just to let you know, I take everything out of my purse. The only thing in there okay. is a pen and my ID. <laughs> yeah, well, funny story about the ID. Please bring your ID as you're traveling oh, yeah, that's right. to the airport. Um, because uh, um, per personal experience, I mean, I got through it, which is wild. <laughs> Yeah, I got the TSA without an ID. Um, oh the, no the way! Really, the TSA were very nice to me. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so it's possible, but I recommend bring your ID, leave your steak knives at home, take out all <laughs> yeah. your stuff. Yeah, yeah, I don't know about that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was wild. I, I I actually had brought my lunch bag at the time. Just um, it was like a it was like a lunch bag slash like work tote thing. Um, on a trip, and I totally forgot that there was a snake knife in there because of I like steaks, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I got pulled to the side, and I, it was actually not tra- very traumatic. She was like, "Ma'am, do you have anything in your purse?" And I, uh, I was like, "No, I'm, I don't know, no, nothing, not that I know of." She's like, "Then what is this?" And she like pulled it out like very dramatically in front of people. I was like, "It's yours, whatever the fuck that is." I was like, "Oh God." <laughs> 
who did that to me? Did <laughs> oh my gosh. I would not have left my steak knife in there. But yeah, she pulled it out. And I was like, lady, I'm sure I got that at like Target. You can toss it, dude. Like, I don't care. And she's like, we can mail it home, but we'll have to go ahead and go through like secondary inspection. I was like, I don't give a shit. I've used that knife. I'm good. <laughs> Keep it. Sell it. Don't care. And just let me yeah. do it. So, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it happens. We, we all, you know, players fuck up. It is what it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. It's, yeah, she couldn't happens. tell it was your lunch bag. I mean, come on. You're not going to do anything except eat. Steak yeah, I think that was another thing. Yeah, I think that also saved me that it was like, it, it was clearly like a lunch tote bag for work. Like it was very clearly set up that way. So she was like, well, all right, you're, you're kind of safe or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> come on. They can totally tell who's up to something who's not anyway. I think so. I think that. so. People look real sketchy. I mean, I, I, Karen, I, I, again, I haven't met you in person, so I don't really know what you look like. So for all I know, maybe you are dangerous with a wine opener. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Probably not. Like, Only when drunk. Only when drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows you always cut yourself accidentally. I wake up, I sometimes have bruises all over me, and I have no bruise. I have no idea why. <laughs> oh my gosh, Karen! I just learned something new about you. We're gonna have fun time in Vegas. That's okay. Well, not only that, I've been in situations where I've been with my friends, and they fell into a bush, and they gotten pretty banged up. And for some weird reason, there's leaves all over the ground, and I felt the need to gather the evidence and hide it and shove it in my purse. Oh, so in the morning, my, yeah, in the morning, my friends are like sorry about your bushes outside but they're like i'm all cut up and i'm like why don't i have a bunch of bush leaves all over of my purse i'm like that's oh, interesting that's i felt terrific. the need to hide the evidence at the time you never know you can lift fingerprints off a leaf i don't know you know what i mean i don't I'm not yeah <laughs> hashtag not legal advice <laughs> hashtag Hashtag this is just a podcast. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was gonna say I, I was kind of upset when Chris said that most of the networking is done at the party, and I'm like, well, that's when I'm most drunk, and I don't know if network is gonna turn out that great. Aren't you better off like, doing it during the day? Yeah, well, I mean, so. here's, here's the problem: is that there's parties throughout like the day, so like there are plenty of events happening like at 11 a.m. Okay, there's the, like we're doing something brunch, we're doing blah blah blah. Usually. Usually the, the, the real heavy parties are from four o'clock on. Really. Oh yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So, yeah. So we got a little bit of wiggle room, but not, but nonetheless, I think it's, I think MJ VizCon this year is going to be pretty bananas because everyone is so antsy to, you know, to get out and, and start networking with people. So. Oh yeah, I completely agree. Like people are so tired of being stuck in and you know, these kind of conferences are starting to um, start up again. So I think, I think this is going to be huge, like kind of blowout event as well. So it'll be a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, yeah, we're we're super super excited. So, um, again, thank you so much, Karen, for your time. Yeah, sure. Before we sign off. Um, we're gonna be kicking it off to our um resident connoisseur, Chris Gerard, to tell us about his about actually our our uh, strain of the day here. Yes. So for today's strain of the day, we've got lemon skunk crossed with train wreck. Uh, there's really no name for this one. Uh, maybe there's some you know, generalized names for it, but no official name that I've been able to at least find. Uh, it's a unique strain uh, in that it is identified only by its parents. Now, Lemon Skunk, also known as Lemon Skunk OG from DNA Genetics, uh, was crossed with the infamous Trainwreck from years back. Uh, Trainwreck was created in Northern California, and it is a cornerstone of West Coast cannabis. While it's a rare find, it is a staple of Washington-based genetics and has been around since medical days. 
Uh, the appearance on this strain is uh, very light green with bright orange pink hairs, uh, medium to heavy density buds, and filled and covered with trichomes. This is reminiscent of the train ruck bud structure. Uh, as it grows, there are multiple long colas, very sativa, uh, heights up to six feet, even whenever topped multiple times. If this thing is not caged or otherwise trained, the branches will definitely fall all over. And the best part here would be the terpenes. Now, the lemon OG really comes in strong, takes a massive stage presence. Uh, it's similar to when you skeel, uh, squeeze a lemon peel. It's uh, zesty and spicy. It makes for quite a great experience when it comes to just smelling a fresh jar. Um, in the back end of it, there's a little bit more of that spice, a lot more of that sour uh, and, and earthy kind of flavor, which is a really nice all-around blend. Uh, the terpenes are very heavy, very, very heavy here. And I would say that the top terpenes in this are probably myrcene, beta-carophyllene, limonene, and humulene. Uh, the taste is probably similar to a, uh, say, like a lemon bar dessert. Very tangy, a little bit of sweet, except there is a little bit of uh, pepper and sour on the back end. Now the sour is different than the lemon on the front end. So it's a, it's a different, unique combination. It really works very well together. Uh, as far as the effects and the potency, this is definitely a potent strain. It is a high flying sativa, just as the terpenes would describe. Uh, tons of lemonine and carophyllene, a great match to put you in the right headspace. I would say creativity, energy, and focus are all the most reported effects. I think that it's the humulene, which is great, uh, because it actually keeps the munchies from taking over. And trust me, I'm thankful for that. This is a true daytime strain for productivity or simply enjoying a nice long hike. Uh, I will say the cerebral effects can be a bit much for some, especially those that, you know, may not do particularly well with sativas, uh, as this is a true sativa. The plant has everything that you hope for out of a daytime strain. So if you're new to cannabis and you can find this or either of its parents, either the lemon skunk or the train wreck, I highly recommend giving them a try to experience the best of what old school cannabis had to offer. It's a very different experience compared to today's hybrid. Not to say that there's anything wrong with hybrids, but it's just a very unique and uh, actually very satisfying experience. So until next time, that's all I got. Be safe, have fun, and uh, yeah, enjoy good cannabis. Have a good one, you guys. All right. Thank you guys. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Chris, for giving us our strain of choice for this week. Um, in closing, as always, follow, like, and subscribe and give us your feedback, comment, you know, rate our podcast and let us know how you feel. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. Um, yeah. <laughs> you can find us on all our socials, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Cultiva Law. Um, I'm also on Instagram, Mio at Cultiva Law, Fabi. Yep, you can find me at Fabi at Cultiva Law on Instagram as well. So send, keep sending me those DMs, yo. <laughs> keep sliding in. <laughs> keep sliding in. It's very, it's very good for my self-esteem, so thank you. <laughs> Even if they are just legal questions, it feels good. It feels good. Except, um, for, that, except for that guy rolling around naked in the money. Oh yeah, right. tell, tell him to stay away. <laughs> just block him. Just block him. <laughs> I don't know. It's four. It's four oh one p.m. I, I I think at like four oh three p.m. I might have a different thought on this. <laughs> you know, it's happy hour somewhere.
That is true. But still, yeah. blo- but still block him. <laughs> he will forever be in my heart, though. But yeah, that's fair. That's totally fair. All right, y'all. All right. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Karen. Thanks. See Bye. you. Bye.